You're going to take people where they wouldn't go without you. People don't follow titles. People follow courage. And if a leader can't read the culture, in very short order, he will not be able to relate to it and will be irrelevant. I'm a believer in the kingdom of God. And so the idea is, are we living like pygmies or are we going to be giant killers? Changing the Headlines Leadership Podcast with your host, Stephen McLeish. Making the world a better place by adding value one person at a time. Impacting the world by impacting your world. Bringing you love, life, and energy. So stay seated, keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times, because it's about to blow your mind. Three, two, one, and we have liftoff. Hi guys, welcome to the podcast. Today I'm so excited because all the way from sunny Texas, we've got Pastor Rick Godwin. Now, Pastor Rick Godwin is the pastor and the founder of Summit Christian, Summit, sorry, Summit Christian, Summit Christian Center Church. And he's been doing that for over 30 years. Um, at least Rick is an international known teacher, speaker, and motivator who is passionate about encouraging people to pursue their dreams and live their life to the highest possible level. So guys, I'm excited for you to hear this conversation today. So Pastor Rick, thank you so much for coming on the show. Brother Stephen, uh, honored to be with you, and I hope we can share something that will stimulate thinking, creative ideas, or add value to those who may be watching. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so excited to speak to you. I've been, I think I've been following you on Twitter for the last maybe three to four years. And ever since I started following you on Twitter, I was like, I want to have a conversation with this man. And so I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, but I thought I had, to, I, had to bring, I had to bring listeners in as well to get to be the fly on the wall of this conversation. Uh, yeah. Well, my wife says uh, he may not be right, but he's never in doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I, love it. Yeah. I love it. But, you know, you know, uh, Pastor, one of the things that uh, it strikes me with just connecting with you and engaging with you, even just on Twitter. And I've actually had the opportunity to hear you speak in Scotland, actually, which has been amazing. Um, and you blew the roof off the place when you were here in Scotland. Um but one of the things that strikes me is you're just such a world-class leader. And it's something that not only you talk about, but it just comes across that it's something that you're passionate about. It's something that you just love leaning in and learning about. And, you know, and that's one of the uh, our big uh, topics of this podcast is leadership amongst, you know, entrepreneurship and development. But one of the big things is leadership. So my first question is actually a two-part question. Um, and the first one is, what is your definition of leadership? And my second part to that is, how do we lead ourselves well? Well, first with question number one, if you've read a lot of leadership books or you've attended podcasts or seminars on leadership, there's a myriad of different definitions. Uh, you know, leaders know the way, go the way, show the way and all. I, okay. All right. That's all pretty generic. To, to me, it's taking people where they want to go, but they would not go without a leader to take them there. You want to be able to help people. 
uh, reach a level of life uh, that they could only aspire to, but they don't have the courage to do it without a leader. And so leadership, whether biblical leadership, secular leadership, uh, it's the same. You're going to take people where they wouldn't go without you. You're going to bring them across that bridge. People don't follow titles. People follow courage. And that's why it's so important and why having a title doesn't make you a leader. Having people who follow makes you a leader. And there are people without a title who people will always want to know, what do you think about that, Fred? What do you think about it? This is the leader in the room that doesn't have a title because people want to know if they're okay with the idea of being presented. So I tell people, you can lead without having a title or a private parking spot. Uh, the idea is that, that people will follow you. And uh, I think that's pretty simple for me. Uh, one of my old mentors used to say, if you're, if you're a leader and nobody's following, you're really just out for a walk. Mm-hmm. And so I got to know that I'm influencing people, helping people. And my reward is when people see me, they said, my life is a little bigger. My, my, my worldview is a little larger. Uh, I'm a better person uh, because I connected with you in some way. So when someone says, I was doing this for so long, but I just didn't have the courage, and you helped convince me to take that step, that risk, uh, here's where my business is today or my life is today because you were in it. Oh, my goodness. Um, money or things could never substitute for that buzz that you feel knowing you made somebody's life a little better. Wow. And the second question you asked me was, you know, leading ourselves. I don't know of any uh, by the book, one, one, uh, one answer for that. Uh, Daily habits comes to my mind, daily disciplines, some small, some large, and they, you do them consistently. In other words, every leader that's successful has got daily routines or daily habits that they do that keep them on track and in the race and hopefully finish well. That, that involves your marriage, your children, your ministry, your life, your health, your finances. Daily disciplines from taking out the trash to walking the dog to taking care of the yard. I do a lot of little things that would never be in a spiritual book, and so do most people. But I do them every day, and I do them consistently, from exercise to good health and good eating. And I'm thinking, everybody does them, but successful people do them every day, not just when they feel like it. So much of leadership in life is doing what you don't feel like doing because you should do it. It's right to do it. If I waited for a feeling, I wouldn't do half as much as I do. But you do it anyway. You develop a discipline of doing it. And uh, that routine can be boring, but it produces, it keeps you out of trouble and it produces a good result. So each leader has to discover for himself what those disciplines are from a morning prayer time to having a cup of coffee or tea and walking around and a little bit of a devotion with God, something like that. I, I, I'm not a real religious person. I'm a, I'm a spiritual man, but it, I just convene with God. And my best time is in the morning with a cup of coffee. 
Uh, I actually don't even need to meet with God until I have the cup of coffee. And then I feel like we can talk better. And I just share the day or what burdens on my heart or what need I have or wisdom I need. Just the daily discipline. Wow. That is that is solid gold right there. I, I love that you're speaking. I, I first of all, I love the coffee. <laughs> I love the grace on that. Have my coffee. <laughs> I need that before I speak to people. <laughs> so <laughs> I love you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, once a leader, you're not always the leader. That's mm-hmm. that's a big myth. Uh, because the culture changes. And now truth never changes. The Bible never changes, but style, method, technology, music is always evolving and changing. And if a leader can't read the culture in very short order, he will not be able to relate to it and will be irrelevant. So there are people who were leaders that are not leaders now. You know, the world changed, the culture changed, and they didn't change. They didn't want to pay the price to change. And the longer you lead, the price goes up, not down. And Mm -hmm. a lot of guys say, well, I'll pay the price to go this far, but I'm not going to go that far. And as we've evolved as a church, as I've evolved as a leader, some people who started with you went so far, but didn't want to go further. And the price for them is too much to pay. They don't want to change. So you know, yesterday's sacrifices are now today's comfort zone. So if I'm going to keep growing, I've got to have fresh sacrifice for a new level of leadership or growth in my life. That, that is powerful. That is powerful. We, de- we definitely need to pay the price if, you know, I think we, we can aspire and we, we are inspired by these other world-class leaders um, and we want to arrive there so quickly but I've always heard the behind the scenes saying you don't know the cost it takes me to get to this place uh, so I absolutely love that no and I love that you spoke people see where you are yeah yeah people see where you are but they don't see the journey that took you there absolutely. they skip that you know all they see are the highlight reels uh, of your life but they missed the journey that got you to that highlight and the prices paid and the days of disappointment and the setback and the failure and the betrayal. And it, it's just never there. Everybody loves your highlight reel, but I always tell people that that's, that's not the part I want to see. I, I, I want to learn from your journey, you know, how to overcome and get around through obstacles and setbacks and, you know, long delays, it's taking longer than I thought, it's costing more than I thought, uh, it's tougher than I thought. Uh, that's the journey of a leader. Wow, that, that, that is powerful. That's so, so powerful. And it's, it's so, I would absolutely agree, it's so true. Now, one of the things that in my leadership journey, when I started out, there was this phrase that got, fr- it got through, thrown around, and it was, it was actually quite a, a healthy phrase. And it was this word called capacity. And, you know, and, and this was, a, I, I felt this was a really important and vital ingredient to leadership. But you know something, I don't know what, you, what your experience has been on this, but when I tried to study it, I didn't find much on it when I tried to look for books and podcasts and 
there wasn't much on leadership capacity. And I remember looking at some of your uh, stuff that you posted on social media, and you actually do post quite often about leadership capacity. So could you tell me about that, your journey with uh, leadership capacity? Okay, where you are right now in your leadership, no matter whether it's business or church, whatever it may be, even in sports, you've got more to you than meets the eye. You've got a greater capacity. They even tell us you don't use but a small portion of your brain. So we're not using the full capacity. Navy SEALs, when they go through, I'm not cursing, they call it hell week, uh, where they weed out guys who can't cut it. And they make it as hard as possible to be a Navy SEAL. And I'm sure SAS and other people do the same thing. But what they learned is that your capacity to endure pain is actually 40% more than you think it is. And they've, they've learned that by watching men com compete and uh, face difficulties intentionally put on them to see how, how far they can go and how much they can take. So when you think you're at the end of your rope, you've got 40% more in you. But back to the question you asked, if I wanted to grow my capacity, which means stretch, a couple of ideas that I think are simple. Number one, learn from people bigger than you. What does he know? I don't know. How does he do what I do? Is it better? Is it different? Is it something I could do? Is it something I could adapt to? That's how you get creative ideas. Then try new things. Change the time of the service. Change the order of the service. Uh, change the stage set. Uh, change things. See, I, I want to try new things. Uh, we've, over the years, uh, adapted to Saturday church and Sunday. Then we've adapted to different times because the culture is changing. And with COVID, with a lot of online people, we're having to make all churches in America and world are having to make some radical adjustments, um, mm. coping with whether or not you're allowed to assemble or you're still quarantined. It's different in each state uh, or whether you're allowed to come. We've had to make adjustments for that. And maybe things that we did when we were fully capacity won't work now with the new rules and the new uh, mindset of people who have been out of church for a year. Uh, think about that. And then I like go places, visit other people, see how they do what you do. Mm. And can you come away with a creative idea? Could you say, wow, that's, that's better than what we do. I, I, wanted, I want to adapt that when I go back home. So an idea, I don't use this idea, well, that's an American idea. Well, that's a Scottish idea. That's rubbish. The idea, is it smart? Is it, is it biblical? Or is it, does it not violate any scripture? And is it a better idea? I don't care who came up with it. If it's better than what I've got, I want it. I want it. And I want to take it home. Uh, a, a great, a great motivational speaker who is now in heaven, 
Charles Tremendous Jones told me, he said, Rick, you'll only change based on places you go, people you meet, and books you read. And I thought, that's pretty true. That's pretty true. In my travels, I'm always looking for an idea. Is that better than what I do? And take it home and then begin to implement it. I sat next to a guy who sells fish in aquariums to offices and businesses, some elaborate and beautiful. He said one of the most popular fish that he sells is a shark. He says, because a shark can be six inches to eight inches long, it will never outgrow the aquarium you put it in. But if I take that same six, eight-inch shark and I put it in the Pacific Ocean, it'll grow from six inches to eight feet by changing the environment it's in. And some people are trying to grow in a mud puddle, and they're going to have to get out of a cultural mud puddle, a national mud puddle, a a racial mud puddle, and they're going to have to expand their thinking and mind by being in a bigger environment. So I want church environment to stretch you, to cause you to think bigger, to, to, to expect more, to try more, to stretch you, or you will never grow. That's why when you're in the gym, you start off with little weights that are pink, and then pretty soon you got bigger weights. It's progressive. And so is the environment the leader happens to live in culturally limited, racially limited, nationally limited? Is the thinking, well, I'm only Welch or I'm only Texan or I'm only uh, Italian? No, no. I'm a believer in the kingdom of God. I've got the now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. God says, if you can think it, I can think bigger. If you can ask it, I can do more. And so the idea is, are we living like pygmies or are we going to be giant killers? Well, you're not going to become a giant killer if you hang around pygmies. And so sometimes we have to get out of our comfort nest and the people around us and find people who think bigger. How do they act? How do they speak? How do they dress? What's their presence on stage? Mm -hmm. I'm always looking, watching. What can I learn? So for me, it's walking with smart guys smarter than me. You become wiser. So I may not be able to reach their level, but I will definitely grow my level. Wow. I love that. That was my whole uh, concept to doing that, this podcast was so as I could get in the room with world-class leaders that were a million times smarter than me. So I absolutely love that um, answer. <laughs> uh, uh, Stephen, let me tell you something. This just came to my mind. Years ago, I was in London, England, and this person is now in heaven, and I won't use their name, but they headed a major denomination in, in Europe a major one, well-respected. But when I went to the churches, I thought they were poor, dirty, not excellent, poorly led. I I thought they were really, really uh, poor. When I met the leader, the church he led wasn't. And I sat in his office with a cup of tea. I looked him right in the eye, and I told him my experience in his affiliate churches. And I says, the reason 
they're not up to your standard is you won't let them do what you do. And as a result, they stayed at a low level. And you know what? He agreed with me. And I said, you, you think a little outside the box. You, you, you're a bit of a risk taker. You're kind of bold and brash, but you will not let them be that way. So you can never produce what you are producing individually, as long as that's going to be your philosophy. Just something I happen to remember by being in London. Yeah, that, that's gold right there. That's something that's extremely important, I think, is uh, reproducing who we are. I think I read a quote, quote uh, maybe a couple of months back, and I absolutely love it. It says that uh, good leaders um, produce followers, but great leaders produce more leaders. And I absolutely, for me personally, I love that philosophy. It's something I'm constantly trying to do, is I'm trying to not produce followers, but produce great leaders and I don't want my leadership to be their ceiling. I want my leadership to be their floor. So I absolutely love that you stated that. Um, and I, I wonder, Rick, uh, Pastor Rick, if I was to be over in Texas there with you and we went out for a coffee and I sat down and I'm this, uh, I, I meet and I was, and you were to give me one, uh, yeah, you, you just had a short time and you said, Stephen, I, this is the biggest lesson I want to teach you, what would it be? I would say, number one, beware of trusting the wrong people. Mm. You know, everybody with you is not for you. When David was at the cave of Abdullam, it says people came to him or were distressed, discouraged, discontented, and in debt. Well, they came to David for what they could get from David, not for what they could do with David or offer to David. And he began to screen them and said, have you come to help me or have you come with another agenda? And so it's really important to vet people that are going to be close to you or work with you because it's easy to trust the wrong people. Uh, I try to read people. Uh, and religious people are, are always have the vocabulary to say the right thing. So if you can't discern the spirit that's in them, uh, selfish ambition, or I want your platform, or I need your endorsement, or I need to say, I, I remember a great group of, of people that had a, uh, several guys that had a ministry in America, and they all affiliated on paper with a very major uh, ministry a large church, major ministry, and they always said, that's my pastor, that's my church. When I met that pastor at a conference and he and I were speaking together, he told me, Rick, they've never given a dime to this church. <laughs> he says, they just use my name and our church for their own agenda. And that's just part of the, that's, that, that would be the same with a celebrity or an important CEO. Everybody around you, with you, is not for you. And learning to trust the right people is so important. And then I think the other lesson I learned that I would say major is learning to soar with your strength and delegate your weakness. Mm. Do what you do best. I can't be T.D. Jakes. Uh, I, I can't be 
some other pastor or preacher, but I can be uniquely me. And so I believe everybody, especially those God has called to be a leader, have got a special DNA. Something is unique about you, Stephen, that wouldn't be quite the same for somebody else. I can only build on my strengths, my uniqueness, not yours. It won't work for me. Yeah. So I can't be young, Paul Young Cho. I can't be any of those people, but I can be an original me. Nobody's going to say it like me or do it like me. I'm not copying anybody. I can learn from everybody. So I, I, I build on my strength. I'm not a politician. I, there are certain battles that are not my call. I stay in my lane. And so I would say to any young leader, what makes you unique? Build on that. You know, one guy, would. Be, I remember years ago, one guy built on prayer one hour. Uh, somebody else built on praise. Somebody else built on uh, intercession. Somebody else built on expository preaching. Yeah. I never was intimidated by any of that. I just let God's word flow from me like I am because he made me right for my assignment. And so I wouldn't try to be anybody in Scotland or Wales. I would try to be, who am I uniquely? What is it I do the best and stay there? Then delegate the other responsibilities to guys that it's their strength. Then everybody wins. So there are many things. I don't like to counsel. I don't put tissues in my office because if you came in there, we're not going to be there long. I will assess that problem quickly and tell you what to do. Now go do it. If you want two hours, tears, and blow tissues, you need somebody else, not me. And so I delegate that to others who are very patient and very and love to hear your problem and love to spend time with you. That would not be my strength. Sitting in a business meeting, reading spreadsheets and agendas, all I want to know is the money up, is the money down, and then I can solve it. I'm a leader. So, so everybody's different. And I don't like it when books try to composite you. Well, if you're a great leader, you must do this and this and this and this. And then when you travel the world, you find out, well, he doesn't. They don't. And God's blessing richly here. So you, you only have a few things you can do well, and there are some things you terribly suck at, all of us. So I try to delegate stuff that I'm not really any good at. I don't have a heart for it. Delegate it to somebody who does. And stick with your strength. Never delegate your strength to someone else. You soar with your strength. And the illusion, in my opinion, is believing you can make your weakness a strength. And there is a great book, Soar With Your Strength. And I'll tell you, they've proven conclusively, if you're, if you're weak at something, you can't make it a strength. If it is a strength and you, you, you put study into it, time and effort into it, you can improve it. But if it's a weakness, you can put tons of effort into it and either not increase at all or barely increase. Why? It's a weakness. So you want to pour your time, money, energy, and study into what you do good and then get better at it and make it your strength. That's why when I meet leaders, and I'm sure you've seen or heard or met some, they're not the same. They're, they're different. 
Ezra. Ezra was a leader. And Ezra, when he saw the sin of Israel and the people, plucked out his beard. Well, Nehemiah comes along. He plucks out their beards. <laughs> so they're both godly leaders, but their temperaments are different. So I can tell you, for me, I'm not plucking out my beard. I'll be plucking out your beard. That's my temperament. So God has an assignment for me, and none of us affect everybody. Not one of us as a leader has an appeal to everybody, which is why God loves diversity, not division, diversity. So soar with your difference. What makes you stand out in Scotland and with your people? that is your strength and that's where god will bless you it'll you won't it won't be a strain it is not hard being me it's not for me it's just easy it flows naturally and that's a good idea as to what your strength might be wow that's great that's absolutely great advice and that's something um i think i'm going to be uh, thinking about all all month, if not all year, uh, really thinking about that. That that's that set me free because I'm I'm I would say I'm quite a unique person. So that is uh, definitely set me free. So thank you for that. Um, one of the things that just knowing you from afar, um, I don't know if this is intentional or unintentional, but you seem to approach things um, with an entrepreneurial mindset. Is that because I've, I've, I mean, my wife's actually we've watched a few of your messages in the past like year, um, and what, what we always kind of get is this entrepreneurial mindset. So I was wondering, is that intentional or unintentional? Yeah. Okay, Stephen, I'm not sure I caught that. Uh, okay. Your accent is clear <laughs> to understand, but you said something that kind of went by me. I, I'm not sure. What's intentional to help me? What did you say? Yeah, sorry. Uh, so I'm just saying that you, you come across like, for, 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 for instance, a lot of people think a pastor is just a pastor. That's all they do, you know, but you also oh, okay. think entrepreneurial. And I was just curious, is that something that you, you've intentionally went in and done? Or is it just, are we going back, that's just who you are? I think that's just who I am because I was raised in the military, the uh, the Air Force. My dad was a bomber pilot in World War II, flew on D-Day. I became a commercial pilot, uh, reserve officers training uh, in the military, and then in business. I was in import-export. So all of that has some shaping of my life and my my attitude and vision. And, of course, I never wanted to be in the ministry. I love Jesus. Uh, I, I, I was a, a tither, a giver. Uh, I would support, but I didn't want to be in the ministry. I wanted to, uh, you know, import, export uh, in the business world. And, I, and I, I really fought God calling me in the ministry. I says, nobody's going to like me, Lord. I'm not the, I don't go around nursing homes and hold babies and, and have a cup of tea. I said, I'm an adventure taker, a risk taker. Uh, I want to climb the mountain. I've, I've been a commercial pilot, a deep sea diver, a rescue squad, uh, the Neptune Raiders. Uh, I've climbed mountains. I've, I've jumped out of airplanes. And I'm thinking, and you want me to be in the ministry? And so my view at that time, Stephen, not now, but my view at that time was I had 
I hadn't seen any models of of achieving religious leadership that I liked, that I admired, that had an appeal to me. So I decided, okay, I, I surrendered and I said, this is either going to be a big disaster or it's going to work. And if it doesn't work, I'm just happy to go back to what I what I wanted to do. But if it does work, okay. So it did work, and I'm still here, and uh, and I plan to stay here and finish, God willing, strong. But I uh, I just tried to keep myself uniquely uniquely me. I'm, I see something, I say something. I don't have a separate voice for my pastoral role and a separate voice off the church stage. I mm-hmm. am what I am by the grace of God, and what you see is what you're going to get. And if I stepped through this screen and had a cup of tea or coffee with you, nothing would change except I'd get rid of these dumb earpieces. <laughs> nothing would change. And so I'm, I'm blunt right to the point, and some people love that. And some people don't. Like I said, you got to be who God made you to be. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and I just want to be respectful of your time because I know you're a world-class leader, changing the world. And I've just got one more question to ask for, uh, before we wrap up. But before we do that, what is the best way our viewers and listeners um, can get in touch with you? What is the best? Is it on Twitter, Facebook, or where is the best way they can get in touch with Well, you? they can follow me on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. Uh, uh, I don't. Twitter's where I, I hang out mostly. I'm not a real techie guy, uh, but my staff is. They help me. They're <laughs> helping me now. Uh, so, you know, Summit Christian Center is uh, located here in San Antonio, Texas. And so somebody can uh, send an, an email to my, uh, my personal assistant, uh, Miss Judy Orr, uh, or they can contact me through Twitter, uh, DM me, uh, or something like that. But uh, like you said, I think I would prefer uh, an email to my PA, which is J-O-R-R-S-A at gmail.com. So that would, that, would get, that would get it. Or they can contact you, and you can give them that information. That might, yeah. be, that might be a little bit, e- a little bit easier. No problem. What what we'll do is in our show notes on the podcast, we will have those links to that so people can, uh, people can, because I want people to go and follow you on Twitter because you've just always got um, amazing gold. It's always encouraging. Thank you so much, Brother Stephen. I really appreciate that. It's Rick L. Godwin. That's the Twitter handle, Rick L. Godwin, G-O-D-W-I-N. See, I'm English. See there? I got a little European blood in me. Uh, came out of the Crusades, friend of God, Godwin. Pretty cool. Come on. I love it. I love it. And yeah, guys, <laughs> and guys please, please, I, I'm not joking. Uh, Pastor Rick Godwin is my, and it is my top favorite person to follow on Twitter. Um, so much goal, so much encouragement. So, Pastor Rick, one last question, and I love to ask all my guests this question because I meet very interesting people who have met interesting people. And this question I always love to ask is, if you were to have a meal, um, you know, supper, dinner, lunch, whatever it may be, with three people, dead or alive, 
who would they be and why? Well, in each generation, that would probably be different. But if you ask me today who I'd like to have dinner with, I would pick three people. Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, and Warren Buffett. They're all world changers. Warren Buffett as a billionaire with wisdom on investing, not investing, uh, has lived in the same place his entire life, married to the same woman. Steve Jobs on innovative thinking, changing the world. And Elon Musk with Tesla and other ideas, who is a college student, teamed up, although he's South African, he immigrated to Canada, then to America, and in the university, he and his roommates started PayPal and became billionaires. And his forward thinking in science and technology, I would want to know from them how they handled huge rejection, massive failure. How did they accumulate capital for their their, their great projects that they that they they undertook, and, and how did they deal with uh, company betrayal like Steve Jobs had? Now, I wouldn't want to talk to them about their faith in Jesus because, as far as I know, uh, I don't know if they are any of them are even a Christian. But I can learn wisdom from almost anybody, and I want I would like to pick the brains because they have shaped the world. Uh, I used to carry a briefcase with notes in it for sermons, and paper is wood, and that thing weighed 30 pounds. Now, I can just carry my iPad, and I can have hundreds of messages, and I don't take anything but a charging cord and an iPad wow. and a, a smartphone, and I keep it here. And I think, what kind of, of uh, resistance did these men face? to change our world. Mm. And I thought, you could teach me a lot, or you could, you could help me refine my thinking and enforce my ideas that there's no easy way to do it. And if you're going to make a significant difference spiritually or secularly, you're going to have to go through all kinds of opposition. And you're going to have to do, if you're a Christian leader, you, if you just change the structure and method and format of your church. You don't need the devil. You have people that'll be right in that church fighting you. You know, they if you change the songs, if you change the music, if you change the style, why don't we do it that way? You know, for them, 1958 looks great. And if it ever comes back, they're ready. <laughs> but 1958's not gonna come back. And so I gotta relate to the culture that is now, not that one that was, and if you can't adapt, you become T-Rex, you become Jurassic Park as a church, just a dusty old symbol of something that used to have life that has no life today, and that won't fly with me, so I want to stay current. I don't ever want to change scripture. It's not going to ever change. I don't want to change good character and values, but style, method, technique, music— that's subject to change. Why would we call technology today Hollywood when, in fact, it's a means of communicating? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, a better way to see and to hear and communicate the good news. I, I challenge people, if you can give me a biblical, clear scripture 
that refutes what I'm doing, I'll change. If you can't, then shut up. It's just your opinion or your bias. It's not biblical. And I think leaders need to do a better job of refuting elders or others who keep them locked in an old stale method or style that doesn't work. My grandfather used to say, Ricky, if your horse is dead, dismount. Get off a dead horse. And if it's not working, try something else. How simple is that? And I'm saying again, everybody won't like it, but you'll draw new people who'll love it. And our idea is to not be keepers of an aquarium, but fishers of men. And I want to reach as many as I can. Yeah. And so as long as I don't change truth, I'm good to go. I love that. That, that, was, that was an awesome answer to that question. And um, I would love to go to that dinner as well. <laughs> so if it ever happens, maybe not with Steve Jobs, but Elon Musk and Warren Buffett, please invite me. <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, I'd love to. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for your time. I do not take that lightly. I appreciate that you've taken your time up to um, have this conversation um, around leadership and on this podcast. And um, I just thank you so much for that. I just want to honor you and just say thank you for all you do for the kingdom and just what you're doing and impacting the world um, spiritually and also practically. You're absolutely a world-class leader. So thank you so much. It's been an absolute amazing conversation. Thank you, Stephen. It was, it was great to be with you, and I hope our words can at least stimulate some thoughts and thinking and, and reaction. That's good. You know, if, if I say something everybody agrees with, then we're not going to learn much. But if we can challenge a normal way of thinking and normal protocols to get people out of their comfort zone, out of their box, to think a little bigger and uh, come up with some better ideas, then if they walk away with just one good idea or truth, it's worth the whole time we spent together. I bless you, my friend. May you prosper and may you be in health.